Welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to episode 78, A Conversation with Kristen Brown. Kristen was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020 at the age of 38. She was diagnosed with both a triple negative breast cancer and an estrogen receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer. If you've been listening to some of the prior podcast episodes and following along on Instagram, you know that I have been talking a lot about hair, the decision to shave your head, whether to get a wig or to be bald, to uh, do cold capping. So we've been really kind of exploring that and we continue that on today's conversation. Kristen shares her decisions about managing her hair during treatment and how she had fun with different wigs and how she really managed to bring some joy to something that is really, really hard and challenging for many. And with that, let's get right to it. It is my honor to welcome Kristen to the Interlude podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your cancer diagnosis and treatment so far? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kristen. It's nice to have all you all listening. Um, I'm 39 years old. I was diagnosed uh, just over a year ago when I was 38 and out of the blue feeling that I had, and it turned out to be... um, both triple negative and estrogen receptor positive cancer. You know, initially upon diagnosis, everyone was telling me, oh, you'll just get a boob job and go through some radiation and you'll be fine. And I wish it was that simple. (laughs) Not that that is simple. It's never simple, but uh, no. So I did go through 20 weeks of chemotherapy, um, a double mastectomy, bilateral mastectomy, uh, radiation. I'm finishing, uh, uh, about six months of oral chemo this coming Thursday. So I'm super psyched about that. And I'm currently on a new immunotherapy for the triple negative, which will hopefully prevent any reoccurrence. So that's sort of where I am right now. It's been definitely a long, like 20 or so months, but it's not what you would imagine. It's been a lot more, um, joyful and fulfilling and not as difficult as I thought it would be on day one when I first met with you, Dr. Toplinski. <laughs> yeah, I think that day one, right? Day one is so hard um, in, yeah. in so many ways and it's overwhelming and it's scary. And you're sitting there and thinking, how am I ever going to get to the other side, right? And And one of the big things, and this is something that we could talk about for hours, but one of the things that I think really impacts that feeling is when you're told that you're going to lose your hair. Yes. What was that reaction for you? And let's back up because, you know, when you were walking into that consultation, did you already 
have a suspicion or know that you were going to lose your hair? Yeah. So my first consultation was with the surgeon. And when I went in to meet with the surgeon, you know, I was expecting her to say, we're booking you for surgery in two weeks. And then, you know, you'll meet with a radiologist. But so she sort of clued me off. You're, you know, you're going to have chemotherapy first, and then we're going to do the surgery. So when I first met with you, I was sort of planning on that. And I had done my research. So I knew the hair loss was coming, but I think hearing it from a medical professional and from your oncologist is a lot different than just, you know, reading it on Dr. Google. Um, so, you know, it was hard for me. Um, I think in many ways, like my hair was almost like my persona, like that was like who I was everyone. I mean, not to sound superficial, but people would stop me on the street and ask me about my hair. I had like uh, stylists come up to me begging me to be able to style my hair. So my hair was like such a big part of my essence and my being that I just could not imagine losing my hair. And that is what I cried most about. And I still remember coming back from my um, consultation with you and saying, I'm starting chemo on Monday and I'm going to lose my hair within the first two weeks and sobbing with my mom and saying, I know I can get through the chemo. I know my body's strong enough to get through the chemo, but I just cannot get through losing my hair. And what helped you initially kind of jump through that first hurdle, right? That just not even acceptance, because I don't think that comes right away, but taking that next step to saying, well, what do I need to do, right? How do I take action? Yeah. Well, and that's what I try to do. Um, you know, in different seasons of my life, I always have different mantras that I live by. And I was trying to think, okay, what is going to get me through this? And I really thought a lot about it. And, you know, I do a lot of meditation and try to think about, you know, how am I going to get through losing my hair? And there's two things that came to mind. Um, you know, this is really not about being vain and losing your hair and, you know, you know, being concerned about beauty, but I wanted to maintain having joy in my life and having love in my heart so that even through like the deepest, darkest, and most challenging days, no matter what I looked like, I was living my life to the fullest. And so I sort, I wrote down on sticky notes, two different mottos uh, that I lived by throughout the last 20 weeks. And they're from, they have special meaning to me just because of my background and my lifestyle. But um, the first is you're never fully dressed without a smile. And that's from one of my favorite musicals, Annie. And I just remember singing that, you know, when I was a young girl and even now with my kids. And I think it is really true. And if you look at women that are going through breast cancer that don't have hair on their on their heads, you're not looking at the fact that they don't have hair on their hair, on their head. You're looking at the smiles on their faces because I can tell you almost every one of those women is, is smiling. Um, and then my second mantra that I've always lived by is a quote from Audrey Hepburn that happy girls are the prettiest girls. So I wanted to still have the happiness in my heart and do everything with, you know, just joy and happiness, regardless of what was happening to my body um, and my outward appearance. So I really, I really like that. And, you know, one of the things that I try to talk about people is that you can have joy and sadness at the same time, right? You can have happiness and grief. And I think when you get diagnosed with cancer, 
just like what you're saying, there's so much sadness and devastation, but you, you can still feel that joy. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, um, you know, it's for everyone, whether you're going through a cancer diagnosis or you're going through other challenges in life. I think you have to look at what is going to anchor you and what is going to keep you motivated and keep you going and find the joy and find the happiness in that. Um, so that was sort of how I, I dealt with moving, moving past the hurdle. Now I knew my hair was going to come out and I was just going to do everything in my power to still make myself feel joyful, feel happy and feel beautiful throughout the course of the treatment. And what did that look like in a practical sense? So practically, you know, I had very, very long, thick hair. So I went to my stylist and I have to say, he was like tearing up when I told him about this. And so he, he cut my hair down a little bit, thinned it out and it still looked very much like my hair. It was not anything drastic. And I have to say that there's no right way to do this. Okay. This was just my experience and the way I, I found it to be um, something that I could handle. Um, so I wanted the process to be very natural. So I initially, you know, got got it cut down, thinned it out. And I had that cut for about two weeks and then it started coming out in clumps. But before it started even coming out, I have to say there were two other very practical things I did was one, get a wig and I was generously gifted by um, someone on my support group, a, a real hair wig um, that looked exactly like my hair. So I almost like had that on the back burners. Like this is like, this will get me through because if I don't feel like myself, I could put this on and then I'm going to look exactly like myself again. And I really did. I mean, people would never have known. Um, and then I made sure I had, you know, the scarves and other headdressings all ready to go so that it wasn't like, oh my gosh, my hair's falling out. What am I going to do? Um, so those are the three things I would recommend doing right away is like cutting your hair down a little bit so that the hair loss isn't as great. Having a wig ready, if that's the course you want to go with and having some sort of head coverings ready to go. Those are great tips. And I, I like that, you know, you had someone in the support group gifted to you. And I think it's really important to reach out if you're listening and there are support groups in the area, really reach out. Cause I think a lot of people want to help others and if they're not, they don't need it anymore. It's a nice thing to do. So now you're ready to go. And what did you do and how did you react when that first hair started falling out? So I remember it vividly. I was sitting on my back patio with my mom and I was just sort of sitting there. And when I got up, there was a big clump of hair. And I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like this, like, you don't necessarily feel it coming out, but it came out and I just sort of, you know, picked it up and I did save some of it, which sounds crazy, but I just like felt like I needed to hold on to it a little bit. Whatever works. Yeah. I cried at first, but I, you know, I said, you know what, it's not about my hair. So, um, every time, and you know, my friend Stacy again in the support group gave me some great advice, like just put, put it in a plastic bag and put it in your garbage can and just don't think, don't think about it again. So every time it would come out, I'd put it in a plastic bag, put it in the garbage can and not think twice about it. 
And I think to make up for it, you know, I was really focused on like, okay, what else can I do to still feel pretty and still feel like myself? So I was all about like, every time I'd go into the cancer center, I would get dressed up. I'd wear, you know, pink clothes. I wore Lily Pulitzer outfits to all of my cancer infusions. And it really became less about my hair falling out and more about like just having confidence in my appearance, right? That was sort of like my first, what happened initially. And everyone kept saying, well, when are you going to shave it? When are you going to shave it? And I, I kept saying like, I just, I, for me, I, shaving my hair just did not feel right to me. Um, I thought it would be too dramatic and too traumatic. So I just let it fall off out naturally. And I would say after a few weeks, the majority of my hair had fallen out, but I had like this one thick ponytail of hair and the top of my head was bald, but I had enough of a ponytail that I could wear like a cute hat or a cute scarf. And if you were a stranger walking by me, you'd think I was just trying to make like a fashion statement. So I'd like braid it or I'd curl it and put a cute beret on with it. And it, you know, it worked for me. Mm -hmm. Other people shave it. Some people, you know, want to just get it over with. For me, I just wanted a more natural like process and to experience it. And it also made me feel like, okay, if, if the chemo is making my hair fall out, it's also doing other things in my body. So it was almost cathartic in a way to like visualize yeah. mm -hmm. chemotherapy working. And that makes sense. I think what you are describing in terms of not having to shave your head is an important point. A lot of people feel that they have to, or they're pressured, right, by other people. And I think this really speaks to how individualized it is. Um, yeah. Some people want to have the big party and the big shaving party, and you don't, you can do whatever is right for you and feels good for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing is listen to your, like, just like when you're going through uh, a diagnosis or suspecting, listen to your body, listen to what feels right for you. And you'll know what's right at the time. And you have two kids. I have two kids. Yes. And how did they react to all of this? So uh, at the time, um, my daughter was 10 and my son had just turned eight. I actually got the diagnosis on his eighth birthday. So that was a little bittersweet and I'm actually thankful it happened on his birthday because now I don't celebrate my cancer anniversary. I celebrate his birthday, which for me, I think is a better thing to celebrate than cancer. Absolutely. But, um, you know, my daughter, she actually has hair exactly like mine and she really like, didn't say anything about it. I told her I was going to be losing my hair and she just didn't react. There was no affect. And I think be like at her age, she was just, in, you know, processing it and didn't know how to talk about it. Um, my son who was eight at the time had a ton of questions. Like, when are you going to lose it? When is it going to grow back? And he would try on my wigs. And we had this running joke that this one wig that I had, cause I ended up buying a lot of wigs, um, made him look like a eighties rock star. So he'd get dressed up in the wig and he'd, uh, you know, wear his eighties rock star outfit. And he thought he was funny. Um, he did not like my, uh, blonde wig though, because it didn't look like me. I loved my blonde wig, <laughs> but he did not. So I think just, you know, in terms of talking to your kids about it, I think you have to be honest with them about what they can expect from you. So 
if you're going through this and you plan to always wear your wig around them, you know, let them know that like mommy is still going to look like mommy. Or if you plan to be bald around them, a lot of my friends were just bald, like around their children and they, their children got used to it. And kids are so resilient. Like at first it was shocking for them, but then they just got to used to their mom, like not having hair. So I think telling them how you're going to handle it is important. I always wore some sort of covering on my head. So they never saw me bald. Um, And I think that for me, that decision was to protect them so that they didn't see me as sick. They just saw me as like, oh, she doesn't have hair, but she's not really sick. Listen to them and they might not have questions right away, but they might think about it as time goes on or something might pop up and they'll unexpectedly ask you some questions. So did you sleep in the head covering? Yeah, no, I always slept in my head covering. So I had lots of scarves and, you know, it was actually like perfect timing with COVID because no one was leaving the house anyway. So I had really cute like beanies and everything for when I would go out on a walk and that's something I would wear regardless of if I had cancer. So Mm you know, is that age for your kids, especially your daughter, is that the age where they kind of start to Google or is that still, they're not really on the computer? Yeah, they are not really on the computer so much. I have had like some of my friends who have daughters who are also going through this say like, oh, you know, has your daughter asked you like, is she going to get this about, you know, just like my treatment and diagnosis. And I think, 10 was a little young. She hasn't really thought about that. They're very much in their own bubble in their world at that time. But I know friends like whose daughters were a little bit older who do that, who do like their own research and, you know, do come up with like the worst case scenarios. So I think you really have to listen to your kids and just be honest with them. Because, you know, at some point, if you just put breast cancer into the internet and send it out there, you get a lot of things that a teenage girl should not be thinking seeing, about. right thinking about i mean and you you, you get all the bad stuff right that's it's just a lot for them yeah and let's talk about wigs so and talk about like what how, like wig maintenance right so you, where did you get all the wigs where did you keep them in your house do you like style like what do you tell me tell me all that okay so my first wig i said was gifted and it was a european hair beautiful wig i took it to my stylist Again, he started crying, Um, but he styled it. And when I walked out of there, you would never have known I had a wig on. And I sent a picture to my family and they thought it was still my, my real hair, like my mom and my sisters and everything. So for real hair wigs, you can take them to like a professional stylist and they'll style it for you and give you a great blowout, or they can even like cut it, you know, to like more specifically like frame your face or however you want it. And it can put like when you style it, right? So you put it on and they style it. You know, normal hair obviously is to be restyled all the time. Like, how long does that, you know, if you're keeping the wig on or taking it on and off, like how long does that stay? Yeah, it depends like how often you're using it. So, like, I used my wig almost every day. So, I would take it in like maybe every like four weeks. I mean, the curls last much longer when it's not like really 
your hair for, I don't know why, mm -hmm. um, but it seemed to stay, stay styled a lot longer. And you can also buy like a uh, wig shampoo and it get, you know, my wig came with directions on how to wash it and how to style it. Like I could have blown it dry myself, but I just wanted to take it to a professional. This is going to be a really um, kind of silly question, but I don't know the answer to this. When you bring it or when you blow dry it, are, is it on you or is it on the on the mannequin kind of thing? On the mannequin, on the, on the headrest, yeah. So they're not styling it on your head. He styled it. He did style it on my head, but for the majority of the blowout, like it was just easier for him to do it on the, on the mannequin. But when he was cutting and everything, because he wanted to frame it around my face and make sure it worked with my with your yeah that makes sense so that's a really nice wig and then the other wigs were they also really nice or were they more like no wigs? at first I thought oh like I need to have real hair wigs and you know they're a lot of money so I was lucky that I I was very lucky and blessed um, but then I realized like you don't really like need to have like the most expensive wigs and I started to have like a lot of fun with it so I had one wig that was like short and curly and I called her Sandra D because she looked like Sandy from Greece. <laughs> and then um, I had one wig that was really, really long and it came out of a beanie. So, and these were synthetic wigs, they were fake and they were like, they ranged it anywhere from like literally $50 to $300. They were not, not that expensive. Um, so the one that came out of the beanie was really cute and had like a long, like curly ponytail, like really long. And I called her JLo because she reminded me of Jenny from the block. And then I had a pink wig that I absolutely loved. And it's funny because I had bought that for my sister-in-law's bachelorette party. And I said, oh, I'm never going to wear this thing again. And thank God I kept it <laughs> because I loved wearing it. And every time I wore it, I got so many compliments and it was like, I always would have loved to try these different styles, but I never would have been able to do that if I hadn't gotten cancer. So it almost gave me like an excuse to like have fun and just experiment with different like styles and, you know, have fun with it. But you have to, right? Because you're, you have to make the best of a really, yeah. you know, shitty situation. situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a horrible situation, but if you at least have fun with it, right. I mean, I think it's what, what, can, exactly. what else can you do? What else can you do? Yeah. So I'd accessorize and, you know, wear my outfits around my wig. So I had like, you know, I don't know, fun with it. It was, it was a fun time. I loved wearing my wigs. <laughs> and then what happened? So you're done with chemo. Talk about the hair regrowth. Actually, yeah. before you do that, I have one other question. You're an okay. avid exerciser. You row, you Peloton. What? Yeah. What did you do with the wig while you were working out? Yeah, when I worked out, I'd always wear like a workout hat because mm -hmm. I did. It was surprising to me. Like, I guess I never realized it because my hair was so thick, but your head, like you're really sweats when you work out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <like laughs> weird. I would wear like Lululemon, like baseball caps, like the dry wick ones. Okay. And they were really comfortable for working out, like if I wore like something like a beanie or something, my head would get really hot in when I was working out. So I always made sure I wore like a dry wick, like Lululemon type. That's great. Cap. That's great advice. Cause most people aren't thinking about that, right? You yeah. think, okay, I'll just take my wig off and, but you're, you know, releasing a lot of heat that way. 
Yeah, exactly. And like, I, it's just, it was weird. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sweating like a lot. And then I put the hat on and that definitely seemed to help. So. Okay. Now, now let's talk about the regrowth. Okay. So the regrowth was something that, um, was harder than I imagined. Cause I sort of thought like, oh, it's going to like grow back quickly, you know? Um, but I would say it took a good, like, let's see, I finished chemotherapy at the end of January and I pretty much had to wear a wig until the end of May, early June, because it took that, I mean, my hair was growing in, you know, you could see hair, but it was like, sort of like a military, like GI Jane type look. And it just wasn't something I personally felt comfortable going out in. Um, and it worked out because it was still cool enough where even though I had some hair on my head, I could like wear the wig and it wasn't uncomfortable. I think if it had been in the summer, I might've transitioned to like a hat or something earlier. Um, but then my hair started growing back and it grew back gray, which, you know, I was 38 years old and I was thinking, I guess I was 39 at the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be gray like now. But it was interesting because it grew back gray and then it turned really dark. And only like, as it started growing out, you could see the tips were still gray, mm -hmm. but the rest that was growing out was dark. So I thought that was sort of interesting. It is. I got some of that, that like henna stuff, that henna natural hair dye to just like put over the, like the tips of my hair where it was a little bit gray to like blend it in with the rest of it. So I would say, you know, around June, I was able to start wearing it. And that's when I really started accessorizing. And this is, I think, you know, another thing that practical idea that women can do is like when your hair is so short, all of your other beautiful features are shown. So you can like show off like with really fun um, eye makeup or, you know, your eyelashes grow back very quickly, I noticed. So you can do fun eyelashes, um, earrings. Uh, you know, statement necklaces and really like, then no one even thinks about the hair. Right. And people were like coming up to me saying, Oh, I love your people that didn't even know me. Oh, I love your hair. I'm like, you think I would do this to myself, but uh, they thought I chose like this style. Right. And it was a style I never would have chosen, but I think it's just like how you like, you just have to make it work and just be happy about it. And I think of that, like, happiness like exudes from inside you and people feel like that you feel joyful about your situation they're going to look at you and they're not going to think oh gosh her hair is like so short she looks like a boy they're going to just say like oh like look you know she looks pretty like she has her hair done or his headbands in or whatever so accessories were like my best friend and still are because right now my hair is still like crazy <laughs> and the texture Tell us, people can't see you on the camera. So tell us what the texture is now compared to your original hair. Yeah. So there's definitely a thing called chemo curls and I've experienced that. So when it came back, it did come out, come back very, very curly at first. Um, and I was pretty excited because my hair had always been wavy, um, but not like curly. And I loved, like, I thought the curly like ringlets were so pretty and I was like, maybe they'll grow out. For me, it's still a little bit curly, but it's now turned into more of like, I call myself like a 
cross between Kramer from Seinfeld and Marv from Home Alone because <laughs> my hair is just like wild. Um, so it's like wavy and slightly curly, but not the pretty curls that came back initially. Although I do have some friends who are like right around the same time as me who still have really curly hair. So you might look out and get the curls because I think they're beautiful. Have you gone back and gotten it styled since it's been regrown or not yet? I haven't. So I wanted to grow out a little bit longer, like in my ideal state, like I wanted to get to like a bob. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go to my stylist and see if he can style my bob. And then in terms of color, I'm just very nervous about coloring my hair with permanent color at this point. So in terms of color, I'm just very, um, you know, aware of what I'm putting in my body right now. So I've been trying to steer clear of like a permanent hair color or any highlights. Mm -hmm. um, Cause that was something I was doing regularly, you know, before, before this whole thing happened. So I've just been doing like a semi-permanent washout hair color. And I don't even have to do it that often. I do it like once every, like, like I've only had to do it one time. And that you did at home by yourself. Yeah, I just did it at home by myself. And I went on to that ewg.org to find a color, a coloring product that was like, you know, deemed relatively safe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think ultimately nothing is, you know, anything we put on our body is going to have some risk, but there are things that are better than others. Yeah. And EWG, the Environmental Working Group does have, some, you know, I think they have great recommendations yeah. for yeah. what's, you know, better or worse. You know, kind of now looking back, right? Looking back at the, when you were going to lose your hair and losing it and it growing, what was the hardest part? The hardest part was the beginning and realizing that my hair was going to, I was going to lose my hair. But once I came to terms with it and realized like, I can't change that then it just became fun, you know, and nothing like, I shouldn't say fun because nothing really about cancer is fun, but I made the most of it. So I had my wigs, I, you know, wore my clothes, I had my accessories and I just did whatever I could to make myself feel pretty and beautiful. And it wasn't about the hair anymore. It was about the hair for maybe like the first two weeks Mm -hmm. And then I came to terms with it and, you know, you just have to keep living your life and being happy. And, you know, one of my friends, actually, she um, passed away about two weeks ago from a different type of cancer. And one of the last pictures that I saw of her, she lives in California, um, that her husband had shared on Facebook you know, she's in her bed and she had a bald head and some wispy gray hair, but it was like, you don't even notice that because she was like smiling and she was like radiating from the inside, like her happiness and her joy in her life. So it was like, who cares about your hair? You know, you have to focus on what really matters in your life and let that, you know, guide your journey. So that's beautiful. I'm sorry to hear about your friend. Thank you. Yeah. She was inspirational. And I think, you know, I always ask myself, gosh, why isn't she getting a wig? And now like, I realize, like, it doesn't matter. Whatever I think 
my message to others that are listening that are going through this is do what feels right for you and do what makes you feel good about yourself. Because ultimately, like no one knows how much time we have, but it's, you should live every single day with joy and happiness in your heart, no matter what your circumstance. If losing your hair is causing you a lot of sadness, which it will, find something that you can replace that sadness with and be joyful in your life. I love that. One of my favorite, favorite quotes is live every day of your life or live all the days of your life. And, yeah. you know, I think there are days that are going to be, that are always insurmountable and really hard, but there's always, sometimes we can find something, even if it's five minutes, you know, of something that makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Another one of my mantras that I love is, um, there's joy in the journey. So I keep reminding myself there's joy in the journey, even though there are days that are very challenging, you can always find some bit of joy. And you talked about, you talked about finding joy, right? Are there other things during the treatment that brought you joy? Yeah. I think it's just like focusing on what really matters in your life and like really leaning into those things. So, you know, spending time with your family and, you know, not being as stressed out about, you know, trivial things that might've stressed you out in the past, you know, like work or comparing yourself to others and focusing on, you know, really what matters in life, I guess. Um, and then for me, I think also, um, finding some sort of like inner peace, either through meditation or for me, it was like really exercising a lot, um, really helped me like keep grounded and focus on, okay, this is what I can do as part of my own treatment and take back my life. Like I can't control everything. I can't control what the cancer is going to do. I can't control that my hair is going to, you know, fall out. I can't control how effective the chemo is going to be, but I knew I could, could, could control like how much I was exercising, what my fitness levels were, you know, um, what I was putting into my body and eating and things like that really helped keep me grounded and did give me joy because I felt like I was doing something to be proactive. Thank you. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to share? I don't think so. I think, um, you know, this has been really, you know, good for me to just talk about it, to like get some of these things out that have been going through my mind over the last 20 months. But I, you know, I just want to like reiterate that everyone's beautiful and no matter what your circumstance is, you can find joy and happiness in that no matter what you have to go through. If any listeners want to connect with you or ask you any questions, how can they reach you? Yep. They can absolutely reach me, me on my Instagram account, Kristen Mary. So it's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-N. Mary, M-A-R-Y on Instagram. And I'm always, actually, I always post like my different fitness things and things I'm trying to do to keep joy in my life. So maybe if you follow me, you'll find some inspiration. Like I found in so many other Instagram pages since I was diagnosed. It's really a good community. We have, we're lucky we have social media, you know, as we're going through this. You know, I think back to when, there wasn't social media, you know, even just a few years ago, right, when things weren't as popular as they are now. And I I think it really helps people connect with each other and 
learn and, and just have that feeling of you know, community. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, of course. Anytime. I'm happy to. Thank you everyone for listening to my conversation with Kristen. We learned a lot, not only about wig care, but really in the importance of finding joy and beauty in the journey. Her perspective on taking something that is hard and challenging and finding the positivity in it is something that we can all learn and gain from. You can find Kristen on Instagram at Kristen Mary, C-H-R-I-S-T-A-N-M-A-R-Y. And you can find me at Dr. Toplinski on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Please reach out. I love hearing from all of you, um, hearing about what topics and posts and podcast episodes you're loving, what you want to see more of. I really, really value that. If you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast or others, I would be honored if you could share it with a friend or a family member, as well as leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, as that truly is the best way to help me grow the show and bring it to new listeners. Next week, I have some episodes coming out about cold capping, kind of to continue this conversation that we've been having on hair, as well as some other really fun conversations and inspiring conversations ahead. Thank you all. And I will see you soon.